So to this morning's scripture reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 11. This is the third time I am coming to you. Every charge must be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. I warned those who sinned before, and all the others, and I warned them now while absent, as I did when present on my second visit, that if I come again, I will not spare them, since you seek proof that Christ is speaking in me. He is not weak in dealing with you, but is powerful among you. For he was crucified in weakness, but lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but in dealing with you we will live with him by the power of God. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves, or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test? I hope you will find out that we have not failed the test, but we pray to God that you may not do wrong, not that we may appear to have met the test, but that you may do what is right, though we may seem to have failed. For we cannot do anything against the truth, but only for the truth. For we are glad when we are weak, and you are strong. Your restoration is what we pray for. For this reason, I write these things while I am away from you, that when I come, I may not have to be severe in my use of the authority that the Lord has given me for building up and not for tearing down. Finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Mike. So if you are... Third grade, second grade, first grade, raise your hand real quick so I can see you. If you're third grade or below, you're in here. Some of you guys are not, normally you would not be in here. You would have your own class. That's our normal thing. But the month of July, we're taking a kind of brief break. So I'm mindful that you're here. And I want you to know, I believe, I can put your hands down. Thank you. You're so obedient. I want you to know that I got, Jesus loves to speak his word to children. And I'm, prayerful and hopeful that you will receive, in particular, something from this, that God will, you'll hear the voice of the Lord through his word. Don't think just because you're young that God doesn't speak to you. Somebody can remember clearly when I was your age, the Lord speaking to me. So on that note, I want you to see what I found in my kitchen this week. So I will, uh, I'll show you this. Don't, uh, this was in my, this is my kitchen. This is actually a picture on my, of my kitchen windowsill. And there were a swarming bunch of these things on my windowsill when I got up one morning. Uh, I forget what day it was. Um, now, you can't see it has wings on it and it's a little critter and there were lots of them crawling all over. Now, this is not something you want to see in your house, right? Because I think, okay, so termites are in my house and my house is gone. So I might as well just sell the house now. And get rid of it, you know, because they're all over the kitchen and I'm like, aye. So of course, you know, I go and try to research what I can about what these things are. And it says on there, well, these could be termites or they might be carpenter ants. Now I'm not sure if that's bad news and bad news or good news and bad news or I don't know. And it's, but apparently carpenter ants not nearly as bad. Termites eat your house. Carpenter ants are just a nuisance. So I'm like, okay, I'm, I think I, you know, Lord, and so it says the way to, the way to test this is you measure the wings. Now, 
Now, this is really a small crater. I mean, this is a blown-up shot, right? This is a, And it says if there's this set of wings at this angle, this length, it's a termite. And the, Okay, so I'm sorry. I do not have, like, a little bitty, you know, thing. And I'm, so Nancy and I are there. It's ridiculous. It was, well, she was in Scotland, actually, but on the phone. She was there, and we're trying to look. She's like, is that one set of wings? Is that, how, how big is that wing? Is that? So anyway, so I finally just said, okay, so I call the county extension agent, all right? So if you remember Green Acres, Mr. Haney, from the county extension office, I got them on the phone and uh, like, okay, here's my situation. Can you look at this thing and tell me? I'm sorry, I have to bring it down here. So trust myself down with great prayers to the county extension office. And, and so they take it and they say, oh, hold on, you know. And so they person, very nice person gets in there and they have their big microscope and they get it under and, and I'm waiting and they are examining this thing and they have the little tweezers and they're turning this thing over and I had a jar full of them you know and they're like taking other ones out and they're like oh that's a good one yeah and they're on you know the slides under there and of course I'm with like bated breath because the implications for me are huge right no house anymore or ants which I can deal with ants and so she's like uh you know she does that noise uh uh and I'm like oh sell the house call the realtor uh, and then the, the big sigh you know I'm like, oh, please. And she's like, got yourself here a carpenter ant. Yes! Yes, I have ants! I'm so excited to have ants! And they're like, yeah, it's because I'd looked it up, and the ants, you could just kind of deal with them or whatever. So we've, we've had a few more, but I was so grateful for someone to give me sort of a definitive word to, to who knew how to examine and test this. And I tell you this because... In this scripture this morning, the Bible is telling us in one of the very few places in scripture that it says, take some time to examine and test yourself. We're going to look at what that means because we're walking a little bit of a tightrope spiritually when we do that. But this is important. Paul, this is, we're finishing 2 Corinthians this morning after 15 weeks. And, and, and remember, Paul is writing this letter to these dear this dear church that he loves so much, but that has been, many of that church has been in rebellion, most have repented and embraced Paul's true gospel message. A few have not, and a few of the uh, super apostles, other leaders in Corinth who'd been leading them astray, were going to fall under Paul's judgment, under Paul's wrath, and, and he was going to come. And he says at the beginning of chapter 13, if you've got your Bible, you can look with me, 2 Corinthians 13, 1, this is the third time I'm coming to you. First time he established the church, second time was a very painful visit where the rebellion was underway, and this third time that he's coming, he's going to set things right. And he talks about the charges will be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. So there's almost be a trial there of people who have stood against Paul. And he's urging them and encouraging them to turn back to the Lord. And for Paul, turning back to the Lord meant embracing his true gospel message of who Jesus was, not seeking another Jesus that met their needs, another gospel it talked about in chapter 11 and 12, and uh, another message is you, you need to embrace the, the message that I have embodied 
Ironically, in the chapter before, Paul says, I have done everything like a father to love you all as a church. He says, the only thing I've done that probably I shouldn't have, if there's any charge, this is ironic given the testimony you just had, the only charge held against us is that I didn't take any money from you. I probably should have been paid by you for being your apostle, but I worked among you because I didn't want you to think I had mixed motives that I was doing this for money because the super apostles were doing it for money. So he says, I I didn't even take your money. That's probably the only thing you could say I should have done because you would have been blessed. Uh, Kevin said you would have been blessed by giving, but I decided not to do that. So he's coming and he warns them and he says, "I'm, I'm, I'm on my way, basically. I'm going to come and we're going to set things right. And he says, in the meantime, verse 5, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or don't you realize this about yourselves? That Jesus, do you realize that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless, indeed, you fail to meet the test. So, for Paul, the test was pretty clear. Here's the test. Are you going to repent? Are you going to take action that speaks to the faith you claim? For him, it was rejecting this false message of the gospel and embracing Jesus as he is and the gospel that Paul proclaimed. So, in, in some ways, the same thing is true for us. There's two words for examine yourself and test yourself. Parazzo, dokemazo. Those are the two Greek words. Parazzo, dokemazo. Important because... It speaks to some things about what we do because we think of test and examining as maybe answers. Like how many of you in school, a test is, you know, write what you know, right? So do you know what the square root of whatever is and you write the right answer? This is not that kind of test. When I was uh, working for a boys' home in Georgia, they took the boys and the staff up to North Georgia near Dahlonega and the Army Rangers have a training base there. And one of the things they had the boys do, which they the boys goaded us staff members into doing, was rappelling down about a 120-foot cliff, sheer cliff down there. And so I'm, and I've, I'm, I'm not afraid of heights necessarily, but I don't relish like jumping out of planes or I'm not like, you know, touched in the head. I, I, I don't, I don't. <laughs> I don't fear heights, but I also am not like thinking, oh, I want to just jump off a cliff, whatever. And so as they, the rangers give you this spiel about, you know, oh, it's really safe and we do it all the time and, you know, you've got your, your rope. So this is essentially what it looked like. Okay. And, uh, they said, okay, all you're going to do, and they give you the technique and, you know, the belaying and all that kind of fancy talk. It's all great. I love the speech, right? And then, they said, and, and this rope will basically support you on the way down, not just kind of throw yourself off. It was the old throw yourself off part, right? That was really like, oh, yeah. And, you know, you think, oh, you, you, you tell your mind, yeah, yeah, all the rangers have done this. All The boys had done it. But I'm telling you, when you're standing up there and the only thing between you and splat is that rope, <laughs> you parazzo the rope. You you test it. This isn't a right or wrong answer. This is, will this rope support me? I'm depending on this rope. 
The testing and examining is not intellectual knowledge. It's not like, oh, I've got to take the doctrinal test, you know. Oh, I, I missed that, you know. You're going to hear, we all say things that like doctrinally probably the Lord's going, you know, it's, we all miss stuff. This kind of testing is do you trust? And are you willing to put your life in the hands of God and are you willing to you know, you can test it all you want, and you can, you know, I was, believe me, I was looking at the rope, and I was looking at the fibers and all that. I knew intellectually it would support me, but I didn't know experientially until that first, you know, and the first time, of course, we're all like skipping, you know, you, you, you know we all know that feeling of when it's there, and the first examination, the first test. And every test that the Lord would give us is this experiential, do you trust God? When push comes to shove, do you trust yourself? And the arenas that this functions in are many. The first one is your salvation. How is it that you are going to Get to heaven, basically. Although I think we have a misconception of what heaven is scripturally, but that's for another sermon. But when you die, and when you live now without a sense of God's presence, because heaven doesn't start when you die. Heaven is being in the presence of the Lord Jesus. Right? John 17, Jesus said that they may know eternal life, which is knowledge of you and your Son, Jesus. So that when we die, it's simply a, a continuation of what we've lived in now. So being in the presence of God, do ultimately, what will you say? You know, it's the classic question of, you know, if they ask you why you should get into heaven. I don't care if you know the right answer, doctrinally. I really don't. I hope you do. I mean, it's better to give the right answer than the wrong answer. Do you know it experientially? Now, I'm not, this is why we walk a fine line, because I'm not trying to rob anyone of the assurance of their salvation. We become assured of our salvation as we trust and put our faith in and believe in Jesus Christ. Let me just give you the, the kind of definition. To receive Him in this saving way is fully accepting His death as the sufficient sacrifice for your sins. The famous John 3.16, He so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him believes, pistis, experiential faith. Whoever believes in Him, whoever, any, anyone, whoever believes in Him will have eternal life. God didn't send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. And we trust in Him and Him alone for our salvation. So, while I don't want to rob anyone, if you've received Jesus Christ and you're not perfect and you stumble and fall and say, well, maybe I'm not a Christian, let me just assure you, if you've trusted in Him, if you stumble and fall daily, I get it, but you're trusting in Him, so don't be robbed of that. But I also need to say a cautionary word which is none of us should take false comfort 
in saying, oh, well, I'm a Christian because of anything other than what I just said. I'm a good person. I'm better than, you know, I'm in the top 50%, you know, like I'm, I've taught, said this before, but it's true. I'm, I'm, I'm not as good as Mother Teresa, but I'm, you know, I'm not as bad as Hitler. So as long as I'm somewhere in that continuum, I'm getting to heaven. You realize Mother Teresa is not going to heaven without this too, right? Good works don't get you to heaven, no matter how good you are. And I know it doesn't make sense, and it doesn't seem fair that bad people who accept Jesus and, you know, even at the last second of their life, I know, that's called grace. It's why the gospel is completely different from every other religion. It's why Christianity stands alone. So take no comfort. We, we do have to test and examine to make sure that we haven't just embraced some false intellectual thing. But I walk this fine line because if you say, well, I have doubts or I have fears or I have you know things, maybe I'm not a Christian. I had a friend who got saved about 20 times. At every, he came to every Billy Graham crusade that ever was and got saved every single time because he didn't know I mean, he just he would raise his hand every time there was an altar call because he always felt he was based on his feeling that he didn't feel close to God at the minute. And that has nothing to do with it. It's that we have you have believed and trusted. But let me just say this: that see that this is a long way down, and this is this is essentially what it looked like when we repelled down. And uh, let me just say that the evidence of my trust in the rope was that I was standing on the bottom alive at the end and that the rope held my weight. Okay? And that my your trust in Jesus Christ, if, if there is no evidence in your life, I'm not saying it's perfect, but there, there's no evidence in your life. You don't love holiness or the Word of God or you love sin or whatever. You should examine and test yourself to see if you're in the faith. I, I hope I'm not saying something like, oh my gosh! If you've met anyone who claims to be a Christian but has absolutely no evidence of loving God or hating sin or anything of the of the Spirit of God in them, just because they say it, the Bible says everyone who says Lord, Lord isn't going to heaven, right? So just be just be aware. Now, for most of us, I know you were small church, and I know you, and I know you love God, and you're a Christian. And if you even are asking these questions and wondering, most people I've found that that even think. Oh, I, I don't know. You probably are. You just have a tender conscience. But um, the second sort of test that the, the, this uh, dokimazo especially is it's more the sanctification of God changing us as we examine ourselves to see if we're walking with the Lord. We're believers. We do love God. We do know God. But we test and examine ourselves. And I would just say, and this is not from the Scripture, I'm just giving you a very practical word, is that I would say periodically, don't examine, I wouldn't examine your belly button every single day. I'd go out and do the work of the Lord and and live for God. But that periodically, if you haven't taken stock of how you're doing with the Lord, I would say periodically, quarterly or yearly, take stock and say, Lord, how are we doing? What's, what's going on? How is my life reflecting you? There's a, a test, uh, dokamazo is a, is a word that specifically taught, refers to metals being proven in hot or precious gems being uh, proven by being tested through fire. And uh, one of the ways you can test if a diamond is real or not 
is apparently you take it and you heat it up even with like a, a lighter or, or you know, over a flame for about 30 seconds and drop it in ice water. And apparently, if it's not a diamond, now, if you got your engagement ring, ladies, this is a great, great way to fix No, not really. But you, you, if you do that, apparently it will crack because the heat, it's not ready for the expansion and the contraction if it's some false stone. But that a true diamond has been pressured, you know, over millions of years in the earth and it's, it's already done that so that it's already incredibly hard and, and that testing. And so the reality of our faith for Paul, the reality of faith was going to be seen. Remember all the testing that Paul went through? And at times, Paul says, things were shaken away from me. And some of y'all have been through much more testing than I ever have. And you say, well, you know, at that time I was faithless. doesn't mean you're not a Christian. You know what I say? That God in His love shook away from you things that weren't ever going to last anyway. Guys, there's shaking coming to all of us. And if you're so young and you think, well, I don't know what that means, hold on. For those of you who are older, it's coming. You, you will have questions and things will happen that don't seem fair or right. And you will wonder, God, where are you in this? And rather than saying, well, because I'm questioning, because my faith isn't perfect, I'm not a Christian. No, God is shaking things away to make you more like Him and make you a trusting follower of Jesus. Examine yourself, Paul says, verse 5, to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves to know that Jesus Christ is in you. And then he says, unless indeed you fail to meet the test. But Paul, earlier in the chapter, earlier in this book, speaks of how there his letter the letter of recommendation that he's a true apostle is that they were following Jesus. My encouragement to you is this. If you're not sure if you love and trust Jesus Christ, then seal the deal right this minute and you want to, you want to trust Him, then as we stop and pray before we take the communion together, then simply confess your belief and say, Lord, I, I am going to back off the cliff. And your context for what that means, only you know. I, I don't know what it is for you, how you are, what God is asking you to trust Him with. But if you say, well, really, ultimately, I, I'm keeping all my options open, right? I love to keep my options open in a lot of ways, like going to restaurants. I love to go to like the mall where I can eat or Wegmans where I can just get some of a little bit of everything. I love to keep my options open. You can't do it in faith. You can't keep all your options open. Well, you know, it's not that there isn't truth in other religions at some level. There can be, but not saving truth. Jesus Christ doesn't make that option available. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. If you've never believed that, I encourage you to do so. As we examine and test ourselves in other ways, if you follow Jesus, you've loved Jesus and trusted in Him, then I would encourage you, not just now as we pray, but 
I would encourage you to set aside a little time and with a maybe a journal open in your lap and say, Lord, how is it that I would test and examine myself to see where I've let things slide and just made excuses for things that are just sin? <laughs> they just are. Um, let's see what God would do as we trust Him. Because ultimately, it's the easiest, hardest thing you'll ever do to follow Jesus. It's so easy and so hard and so worth it. Would you pray with me as we close and take the communion together? Lord, I thank You that a word that's quite sobering in many respects to test and examine ourselves, Lord, would be not a cause for fear, Lord, that we somehow won't measure up to You. We're trying the best we can, but we just can't pass the test because we're terrible at math and terrible at religion, and so we'll just never do it. Lord, it's not like that. That what we're testing is the quality of the Savior and finding that You are trustworthy. And so You have proven that You are the real thing and that we sell everything that we have to acquire You that You are the pearl of great price, that You are perfect in all Your ways, and that in trusting You, we find life. Lord, we thank You for dying for us. And in dying for us, You, in this miraculous, mysterious way, You created life out of Your death and that You make it so we don't have to die forever, that as we die in You, Lord, we live with You now and forever. And so, Lord, I remember what Martha said as Lazarus, her brother, had died. You asked her, do you believe that I am the resurrection and the life? Lord, help us to believe in a way that our dependence would be evidenced to our souls For Lord, on the night You were betrayed, You took bread. And when You'd given thanks, You broke it and You gave it to Your disciples and You said, take and eat. This is My body which is broken for you. Take and eat this in remembrance of Me. And then after supper, You took a cup of wine and when You'd given thanks, You gave it to them and You said, drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant shed for you and many for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. Lord, every time we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. Lord, I think of the ark and I think of those who looked around wondering if it would float asking questions about what Noah was doing, but it was only Noah and his family who went in the ark who were saved. And so you call us to come into Jesus Christ, to walk inside your life, to participate. And in that, Lord, you change us completely and utterly. So, Lord, make this real to us as we remember what you've done for us as we partake and participate. These are the gifts of God and they are for the people of God. So take them in remembrance that Christ sacrificed Himself for you and be thankful. 
At Living Hope, our practice is to take one of these wafers and dip it in the cup of wine. No one's required to come, but if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're welcome at this table and this meal. We allow parents to determine if their children understand the elements and to take that. And so have your children not participate if they don't understand what they're doing. But they can come and be blessed, be prayed for. After you receive the uh, elements, the, the bread and the wine, there'll be people available. And I would ask you to take a minute and be prayed for, for anything that you'd see. God on the move. He's ready to operate. So take a minute to be prayed for and be strengthened uh, before you sit back down again. Let's participate in this meal together as we joyfully receive the Lord's life in us. Amen. Could I have those who are serving communion come up?